Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everyone, it's Alan and Brent. And this is AB Testing, of course. You know that by now because by the time you hear this, I've put the intro on top of this. Anyway, uh, 128, is that right? Uh, Just say yes. Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. We were going to have a guest today, but I think I messed that up. I was talking with... It was the same guest we were going to have like three or four weeks ago, and we had an email conversation where we said today, but then I never... I don't think I ever sent a calendar request follow-up. So, yeah. And, yeah, well, yeah actually, I, I think I'm going to take... A hundred percent of the blame there. There's there's another potential issue there as well because the last time we had to reschedule uh, because they they uh, the guests asked for nine o'clock. They did, they did, but I did confirm eight. Uh, their okay. their daughter was sick, child was sick. Anyway, we'll try again, or they may pop up at any time. In which case, we'll change subjects, which isn't out of the ordinary. Anyway, no, uh, quite. Yeah, good to go on that one. <laughs> uh, what's new with you? New with me? Uh, oh, well, my son officially, uh, uh, my second son now officially attends your alma mater. Country Western U. <laughs> Is that, so it's, it's interesting uh, because of the COVID times and... He is in a a well relatively new relationship, and his girlfriend is now a senior. So he met her when he was a senior, and because of COVID, and the couple just can't be separated. Here, here's an interesting thing. So the the girl's parents basically have moved my son into their home and he, so it's, it's weird. Uh, so I had the whole, uh, the whole reality of son sort of moving out for college, but none of the, the drama because it's sort of a stealth move out. Like he hasn't, he hasn't slept in his own bed in months. And these are the days of our lives. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, but I, in in one regard, so uh, my son uh, during during you know, uh, grades essentially six through twelve, you know, there's a there's this old saying that hard work pays off over time, but procrastination pays off now. He he lived that and, uh, up until meeting her. Uh, she actually is already getting offers from Ivy League schools throughout the the, the world. Uh, she's strong in academics, and she is um, uh, at least within Washington State a champion swimmer. Uh, she's actually teaching him, uh, you know, what to do, and he's got a new perspective. He 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 sort of woke up and and was like, wait a minute college after college it's like me so like i better get my shit together and yeah anyway we'll see what happens my oldest started college he's doing the running start program so he's actually a junior in high school he's going to finish high school and take full-time college classes at the same time i am completely supportive of that my oldest didn't do that i kind of wish he had um he did you know, graduate with just, um, he had, he had six AP, uh, passes under his belt when he went off to college, yeah, which does not really good for anything. Oh, dude, that, that when, I, when I, when I did it, they, they weren't good for much. Uh, that, that took off almost a semester and a half of GE off of, off of his plate. Yeah. So when I went, uh, the credits counted, 
but my major required so many credits that I didn't need extra credits. The credits counted, but they didn't count towards any of my requirements. So they were pretty much just some, here, here's some free credits. Yay. Oh, uh, so my youngest, uh, he he's doing the computer science program at, again, your alma mater. Um, he passed the AP exam and that allowed him to get credit for and skip uh, CS, whatever the, the first CS, the class is, the CS 101 equivalent. So he's in CS 102 now. I, guess. I mean, I don't even know if the numbers are right. But All right. All right. Anyway. Go, go kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so ba- back on. So what I, I have one thing I want to share with the three, which is some ex- actually two things, exciting news to share with the three. One, we could talk about a little bit. One, I will just make the announcement. We can't talk about it. But after that, we had a great request to walk through uh, how you and I started in this industry and where we and how that got us to modern testing. Uh, so we'll do that in a moment. But the one announcement I'm not going to talk about, uh, just all just for reasons, uh, is. Unity, as of this morning, is now a publicly traded stock. We have entered the IPO game. So that's exciting. And then something happened to me at Unity a few weeks ago that has not happened to me since 2008 or so. Do you know what that is, Brent? 2008. I think 2008 was the last time this ever happened to me. Got a guess? Uh, you got a good review. Well, <laughs> no. I mean, I've had good reviews, but you're on the right track. I got a promotion. Oh, nice. So uh, I am now a... Oh, and two things happened with this. One is... Are you uh, a VP of something? I'm one, I'm one level below a VP. I'm a senior mm. director, but okay. also... My boss looked at what I was doing and because I had this program management name in my title and he said, that's stupid. You're, you're now a senior director of engineering. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real boy now. <laughs> nice. You're an, you're an SDE. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited. Uh, lots of, you know, my org is much bigger now. We talked about this last time. I'm not going to go back into it again, but. The promotion was in process long before I took on that org. It's just recognition for making our stuff go. And now I just have to make it go better for multiple reasons. One, the promotion, but two, the previous subject. So, uh, and yeah, IPO. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to find it on the web. So what's the, the ticker? You. You? One letter. You. Wow. I'm surprised. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> it's I'm surprised cool. you hadn't been taken. <laughs> it is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, it, it's at a static price right now. It's in the price discovery phase. That's probably all I should say about it. Should should start trading actually uh, shortly. Okay. So, anyway, let's get on to the main topic. And as we all know, the show's about me. But today, I'm going to step aside and let you start. So as I mentioned before, the question is, we had one of the three on one of the three dot slack.com say that they would enjoy a history lesson. It sort of evolved into, we should do an episode or two talking about how we first independently and then together came to a similar belief system around modern testing because we both started purely in the testing world and then we took different paths to get to this violent alignment we have around modern testing and it'd be good to talk about that so let's start with you and we'll do this is like the i love the comic book origin stories are so good i used to love them so let's go back to you in 19 Wait, we want to go back to 
to to nineteen something. Ah, uh, you know, we can we can breeze <laughs> through it. But I want to do is you started. Like, did you have a, a tech job before Microsoft, or did you start here out of, start there out of college? Started out of college. Okay, so you came into an STE job. You were a software test engineer. Oh, so yeah. So, so just you don't have to walk through. Well, on my first day, and then on my second day, but let's walk <laughs> through. Like, give it the brief recap up to the point where you realize that you know we need to change this old way. Were there any turning points or triggers along the way? So let's just start at the beginning. And I will interject, but talk about your origins as a software tester sometime in the mid-1990s at Microsoft. So, it feels like we should have like um, way back sound effects. <laughs> Wait, I'll help you. Yeah. There, now you're done. Yeah, thank you. So, way back in the day, so I graduated college in 19... 19- 1993, December 1993, as a double major in math science and computer science. And um, I had started college as a math major. Um, They required multiple different programming courses uh, in there. And it wasn't too long where I realized, oh, my God. I way love the CS stuff uh, more than uh, the math stuff. And I bolted on the, the, the double major. Um, and God, maybe a year after that, it was still, so I double majored. It, it ended up taking me five years to get my undergrad. Um, so about a year after I bolted it on, uh, I was in love with Microsoft, and uh, so I spent the last two years of my career with with a single focus on I'm going to Microsoft. Um, uh, I think I've shared. I know I've shared on on the um, my employment here, even though uh, even though I had an interview and and all of that um, was somewhat accidental. Um, Microsoft wasn't the polished process engine uh, it is today. Um, And and I discovered on my first day of employment here that uh, it was for a intern position and not a full-time position, which is what I thought. Uh, Like the offer letter um, didn't indicate. I wish I still had that. Yeah, I should have saved mine too. Mine, mine had me show up to orientation on the wrong day, so just say. <laughs> yeah. Remember, the, at, at some point we have to get to the turning point, so you're gonna have to speed up this part of the story. Back then, I was just trying to think through. So I, I had, uh, I not only knew I was going to go to Microsoft, but I knew I was going to be a developer at Microsoft. And I'm trying to recall how, how, so my intern position was in a test role. And I think I got seduced by, by either the hiring manager or the recruiter on, on the story that we used to tell way back in the day around an SDET. Oh no no no! You're you're a developer. Uh, you're just in the, the 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 test discipline, right? The, the, you recall that because I think you were you uh, actually once led the charge on on keeping that story alive. Maybe <laughs> maybe I didn't know any better, but we can talk about that in my origin story because well, I, d- so, I did yeah, do I d- that. I I didn't know any better. Uh, like hindsight twenty twenty. Uh, I can look back at it and go, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what the story was, uh, but I could tell you it was bullshit. Um, anyway, fast forward. So immediately after that, so I found out that I was in an internship. Not only that, that the internship had a had a a deadline of three months, and I'm like. Whoa. Okay. So I just moved up 
uh, me and my fiance for a job that's three months. Oh my God. Uh, how do I springboard this into something useful? So um, I don't want to spend all my time on this one, but it was essentially uh, we got that to be um, moved to six months. And at the end of the six months, uh, I went through a whole bunch of interviews. Um, uh, turned out I had failed them all. Uh Funny, uh, funny story. I'll say funny story. Uh, found out later on that it was it had been because my hiring manager had uh, actually blackballed me. Good to know. I just want to remind everyone that the asinine yeah. politics of Microsoft have been around since the mid nineties. Continue. Oh yeah. So and, so and before, but yeah. And this guy is no longer at the company, uh, although I will say he survived a very long time. Now, the question is, obviously, why did he blackball me? Uh, well, it was because my office mate was an attractive female and he was a pig. And on multiple occasions, said things, did things with me as a witness, and he needed me to protect his career. He needed me to be gone from the company. Anyway. No, no not anyway. I, yeah, go for it. How in the world did this person survive for many... I mean, I say survive. I... I, I God, I hate people like that. I really, really hate them. Really, well, so, really. I just want so to put my, that in there, and you can go on. And, I and, do and, as and, well. And we, and we can dox him later. Uh, I do as well. And I will say that when it comes to issues uh, like sexual harassment or any sort of, what do they call it, um, any sort of uh, discrimination policy violation, Microsoft is much better now. And uh, I don't know if it's perfect yet, but uh, one of the things that they do on any of these things is they hire an independent outside counsel. Whereas back in those days, HR would handle it internally. And I am positive that is the reason why he was able to survive at the company it was a myth in software. It's especially true at that time. And especially for many years at Microsoft that people go, oh, I'm going to go to HR about this. HR are there to protect the company, not the individual. And it was especially prevalent there. And I'm glad that they're doing that now because that's, that's fair, but I'm just, it just sickens me. I had a friend who went through similar stuff. Eventually, eventually her boss uh, left Microsoft with fully vested options to spend more time with this family. That was always the joke. People, when execs or senior people, senior people were fired, they were leaving to spend more time with their family, and everyone, oh, it's, everyone it's, knew what that meant. Uh, it, it's changed now. Um, execs don't spend more time with their family, uh, and it, it and it's it started. Do, do, do pre- they now pursue other interests? Uh. They, I saw they that are, one too. Uh, they they're working on special projects, but which but, is but out, outside the company. Oh no no no! So so yeah, like they special don't. projects is where you put the person who you who you can't haven't fired yet, but you need to get them away from their team. Right. Um, okay. So, so anyway, so, tangent aside. No no. When okay. when they leave, uh, I mean you can't even. The, the silence is deafening when they leave. We're like, what? That's old news, right? I, you know. I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you have right. eventually started at Microsoft. You're, inter- you're blackballed. Let's get you hired. And then actually work towards the point where you begin recognizing that testing isn't the schnizzle anymore. A, um, a buddy of mine at that time hooked me up with a contract gig. And some friends he had over in the exchange uh, turned out um, blackballing didn't work so well through the contact or the contract recruiting channels. 
So I ended up being a contractor on a test team. And at that point in time, uh, I was happy with anything. And it turned out I got lucky and got on a, on a very sweet team um, with a very strong set of managers. Um, I was a IC for less than one year at the company. Um, my, the, my new management staff uh, saw my potential, saw my hunger, uh, saw that I was good at, at problem solving. And um, like, I even remember having conversation like yesterday with my manager that he's like, yeah, um, just as a heads up within the next nine months, you're probably going to be a lead on this team. Yeah, and, we did. We did make people leads very way too early in their career at that time. Uh, well, for me, it, hindsight twenty twenty, I think he made a he, this this same manager I'm thinking of is is still to date the best manager I've ever had, and he saw he saw something in me, and he was able to sort of carve it out. Right. If you think about the the Michelangelo um, metaphor, yep. Yep. right? Um, and I remember because uh, every job I had ever had, I've been moved into management, but I had viewed those as jobs. And this is the first time where I'm like, uh, "Oh my god!" I've actually freaked out when he told me that. And then I spent the next next nine months sort of watching every manager. Uh, that I respected in what they did. Uh, because in prior examples, uh, I got promoted to management, but because I hadn't yet learned the distinction between management and leadership, uh, once I got there, I sucked. But because I had a strong work ethic, like I ended up doing all of the work myself just so that my quote unquote team looked good. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is my career. If he does that to me, I'm going to tank my entire career. But I learned leadership very quickly anyway. Okay. So you're leading testers doing so their, now doing their I'm, testing I'm, grunt work. I'm leading testers just a, a year or two after that, I became a middle manager and you know, this was all the world where it was on-prem products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. God, that was probably 10, 15 years of that. Okay. And then somewhere, I think it was around 2002. Okay. Um, We're finally into the proper century. Awesome. Go on. Yep. 2002, this horrible, horrible evil, evil thing started creeping into Microsoft. And that was this, this bullshit agile stuff, right? Where, where people were coming in and talking about, um, oh no, we're not going to document anything. Well, we're just, Go ahead. Yeah, you say I I remember that, and it wasn't even that many people. There were like a few people here and there going, "Yeah, we should do this," and and Microsoft doing their typical not invented here would say, "Well, that won't work here. That's in, that's interesting, but that's for other companies." Uh, yeah, but then there were some teams. So back in those days, so somewhere in here, right, we did a transition from. Uh, the POM model to the, the, the functional model. And this is moving from, this is uh, the editor oversight. Uh, the POM model <laughs> is the product unit manager where every part of the business, even, even multiple parts of a single business would have a POM, a product unit manager who would manage the, the full team working on that all across all disciplines. We moved to a, a more siloed approach you call it extreme siloism where you had a huge test discipline, a huge dev discipline, a huge program management discipline uh, working for high level people reporting to the, like a general manager or a VP running the business. And this went on for quite a while. All right, back to you, Brent. Yeah. The, the pump model kind of optimized for knowledge sharing around the product Whereas the functional model optimized for knowledge sharing within a discipline. 
it was interesting because I happened to be on the team where the functional model was piloted. Uh, for most of the folks in that team, uh, they, we viewed this model as abjectly uh, failed. Uh, but the executive whose idea it was, um, you know, that the data will be tortured until it agrees with us. Um, that stupid idea got pushed through all of Microsoft. Anyway, so at the same time, Agile was starting to creep in. And back in those days, you would go to a particular team, a particular culture, and you could discover very quickly which discipline ruled. Uh, you would find that some teams had a primarily a PM culture that, that essentially, um, if, if you think about Animal Farm, one of my favorite quotes from Animal Farm is, all animals are equal, but the pigs are a little more equal than everybody else. Um, in, in this world, um, like a PM culture, uh, they would have uh, more votes or a dev culture. There was never a team I experienced where test really controlled the culture. Exchange got close. Exchange got close. But it ended up being um, uh, more around the people, not the discipline. So let me add um, one counterpoint to that because there was one time in my in my career at Microsoft where that was different. And that was on the shit show known as Windows Millennium. And <laughs> I remember uh, we put someone who had no idea what they were doing in charge of the development team. from Because uh, just for context, uh, Windows 98 was going to be the last version of consumer Windows ever shipped. And once Windows XP, I think it was, no, Windows 2000 was delayed marketing came back and some other teams came back and said we had to do another version of windows remembering at that time windows this is pre like internet downloads windows was the main ship vehicle for a lot of smaller applications everything from internet hearts to some other diagnostic tools built by other teams so they quickly pulled together a team to work on windows millennium and it was very clear from our gm who led our triad as it was called what my role was going to be and the role made sense to be on the dev team. So I went and chatted with the, the this person they were going to make the dev director for this product. And he was such a total dweeb and had no idea that I went and did the same exact job for the test director. In that case, the, if the dev team might have had the power. It, the, 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 they were more equal than the rest. But for me, it was like the thing I tell people when I recruit them to Unity, I tell them it's easy to do good work here. It was easier for me to do good work and do the same work better on that team than it was working for the dev director. So slight, slight, slight twist to your story, but still more or less holds true. But it reminded me, I wouldn't remember to add it in my story, so I wanted to add it now. Back to you, Brent. <laughs> so this Agile stuff was coming in. One of the things that uh, that I remember early on, because I, I had a bunch of mentees at that time in Again, they would come from teams where the dev leadership, number one, controlled the org or, you know, mostly controlled the org uh, or, or the product direction, the strategy. That's what I mean by controlled the org. Um, and they had um, learned about this, this new fad called Agile. And... One of the things that started happening is they were rolling this out, even in the world where we were in on-prem products, right? The, the term CICD hadn't been invented, right? Um, there was no continuous delivery whatsoever, but there was a lot of things that were considered overhead that really appealed with dev. And since they were controlled, they just made it happen. Um, and so I would have a lot of mentees coming to me and saying, hey, wait a minute, my, my dev team is saying that they're going to be agile. So I'm not going to get any sort of documentation for which to build a, my test plan. Now, 
back in those days, uh, you did not F with the test plan, right? It, that, because uh, as you well know, uh, one of the biggest, most important value propositions that the test team provided that uh, the test team hated being one of their more important services was uh, scapegoating at product release, right? And so if a dev uh, was going to not give me documentation, right, certainly that's going to be optimizing for scapegoating. And how do I avoid that? Because I hate that aspect of it, like the the, the question of why was this not tested before? Um so very much at that time, hated this idea of Agile, hated it uh, because it essentially victimized uh, the test um, discipline, which at that point in time, I was quite proud of. Then I went to a team that Alan and I uh, both worked on, although never at the same time. I think we overlapped by like a day, maybe a yeah. week. And his and my experience of that team is very different well you left at the sort of the end of a pro uh, end of a thing and i i joined at the very beginning of the next thing so you had the previous experience and i tell people and we can name drop here my two years on xbox one were the best five years of my career it was such a horribly i, I mean i had fun working on it and i'll talk about this next time uh, when we talk about sort of how I came to these beliefs, but horribly, horribly, horribly run product. People running the show there had just didn't have a clue what they were doing. It's, it's a miracle that Xbox one came together as well as it did. And I will actually take a chunk of the credit for that, but not that much, but anyway, go on Brent. Well, so I won't speak to what happened when I left. Um, uh, I, I hold out hope that that the leadership at that point in time did a solid job on cleaning house. But I will absolutely say that was an organization run by Dev, uh, and in this case, controlled by Dev. And I almost literally mean it that way. Um, I don't think that that's the case anymore. Thank goodness. But they had they had bastardized Agile and uh, used it to justify Cowboy. Uh, essentially, uh, we get to do what we want when we want because that's Agile. And in particular, like the the principle around Scrum um, that you don't hear talking about so much anymore. But the principle around Scrum, around management being not only useless overhead, but a negative value proposition to the Scrum process, right? Um, so we, as an individual dev team, we get to do what we want and not even management can tell us otherwise. And somehow that organization made that stick and it put test in a really bad place. Testing, it was still our job to find the bugs before release. Uh, but the way things were set up, it was pretty much guaranteed that that wasn't going to happen. And so that, that caused me to... The, the documentation was an initial threat. Um, right. As I, as I said, I'm like, Oh God. Okay. So how are we going to do anything if, if we don't get solid doc documentation from our development team, but what even, but this particular experience said, Whoa, agile is enabling, enabling teams to, to be completely uh, disorganized, completely dysfunctional, in my humble opinion, at that, that time. Yeah, at that time. And because, mm -hmm. and this is still true today, where teams take organizations, teams, people, uh, 
Brent's like the only person in the all of the podcasting world who will eat his breakfast while podcasting. <laughs> I'm hungry, dude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so people read selective parts and make their own interpretations without actually internalizing and thinking of it as a system. So we've all seen these, oh, Agile means no documentation. We're, we're not saying that. We're saying that the developers Brent was working with at the time were taking the parts of Agile they felt like were fun and and they were... Rationalizing, justifying... Yeah, justifying poor behavior because, air quote, it's Agile. So then you left that team and went somewhere magical. Well, actually, um, further. So what I did is... Um, by that time, there was enough information on the web to, to do a search and realize that, that, the, that there are a large number of teams and companies that were not uh, converting Agile into Cowboy and uh, succeeding. Right, things like accelerate and those studies, uh, they were far. I mean, they probably weren't even a glimmer in um, Nicole's eye at that point in time. But it, it wasn't. It didn't take much effort to realize that uh, a lot of companies were were really succeeding with this. And one of the things that I looked at it, I'm like, okay, so my understanding of agile has got to be wrong. Because no company would stay in business if Agile meant what this group is doing. And so that caused me to, to, to understand it uh, far more deeply. Uh, this is also the time where I went and got, um, I did a whole bunch of reading. I did a whole bunch of I hadn't gotten done the safe thing yet, um, but then I realized and, and started deploying it within my own team. And I realized, okay, I understand a bit of why Agile works. And at the same time, I was done. I was done with that org. Uh, I needed to move on, so I moved to Bing. And whenever I make a hold, decision, hold on, just so people know, Bing is a search engine. Just because they may not know that. All right, mm. go on. Thank you for that public service announcement Bing powered by Azure, which is actually true, but all right, go on. It is actually true. Um, the, so I went to, to Bing and I took, uh, finally after who knows how many years I finally did, uh, achieve my initial goal of working at Microsoft as a developer. Uh, joined Bing on uh, a data team. Well, actually, most teams in Bing eventually end up being a data team. And because they were a service organization, Agile was a necessity. And so uh, I joined a team that was actually hunger, hungry to, to, to do Agile. Bing was actually where uh, the the, the combined engineering model, uh, as it was described, started. So I happened, it had already been in flight about a month when I joined. And fast forwarding, I deployed an agile paradigm. I did not have um, a test team per se. I, as, as I think I've shared on the podcast uh, multiple times, a good portion of my developers at that time were former testers and we started going through and shipping products and thinking of it as an end to end system. Uh, okay. What do we have to do to minimize maintenance costs? What do we have to do to get this product out? And once we finally shifted over to Kanban, that sealed the deal for me because it made me realize that what one of the things that, that test did is they minimize risk of, of a negative customer impact. Well, and, and to be clear, 
I mean, we had a discipline do that, but I was just, it's, that's a line I give all the time. That is the purpose of testing, regardless of who does it. We just had special people dedicated to that. Right. And so during that whole experience, I was, I was constantly thinking, okay, number one, you know, I, 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 because we're trying to shift to combined engineering, I really don't have a choice. However, I do have test talent underneath me. And I could, I could just say, all right, you know what? Yeah, you're a developer, but you're going to develop test automation. I could have done it. I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. Because uh, what I actually found is that the testers underneath me uh, did a better job at shipping production code. Same. And the biggest problem with them, though, is, is and it's not, and I'm, I'm sure you've encountered this, uh, back in the day, one of the prevailing problems with S-debts was sort of a self-esteem issue around their coding ability. Where, but I'm just a tester. I can't write production code. And I wouldn't say that was widespread. And we'll talk about this because I, I wrote code that shipped in I uh, nearly or all of every product I ever worked on as a tester. No, uh, so am, I wasn't am, afraid. I, I just didn't. I just didn't like doing it that much. But anyway, I think that was. I could see that. But you go on. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't suffer from this either. There was this view that I saw quite often from from testers that essentially production code and magic uh, are not too far apart. Right. It's a view I see today with with data science. Right, um, where I, I spend a good amount of time, particularly with PM orgs, I spend a good amount of time trying to demystify data science. I, I did have an, uh, a, a a long argument with a guy from sales uh, just a few months ago, where he was just absolutely convinced uh, that AI was already solving every problem he ever had ever. You were doing agile on this team, getting the hang of it. And mm-hmm. how did that lead you? Like uh, that was still 15 years ago. So what led you down, down the path of that? Wasn't that like 2000? Oh, it wasn't that long. No, sorry. I got, I'm off by a decade. That was like I seven mean, years I, ago. Yeah, I think it's seven, eight. It's, it's creeping up on a decade. Yeah. But- and then we started the podcast, which in hindsight, has always been about modern testing. Maybe it's almost about five and a half, six and a half years ago. Shoot. So right around that time, we began the podcast. So what led you from that point towards things that are more modern testing-ish? As I went through it, I kept on asking myself, when would I hire a specialist? When would I hire a specialist? How would a specialist improve uh, the business KPIs for what I'm doing? Every time I actually had a positive answer to that, uh, oh, I would do this because of blah, 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 blah. I found that it was quite easy to come up with what I needed to do immediately to adapt within my organization to then eliminate that. You follow? Mm-hmm. Where, where essentially, I, I, as I kept on doing this and realizing that, like, number one, the biggest, most important event in my life was uh, on, on that particular topic was the day. So we had, we had already shifted to Kanban. And my, it's someone on my team shipped a bad change and our service was on the floor, just on the floor, realizing that we knew it near instantly that it was on the floor and that because it was a single change, because the Kanban model like doesn't batch all these things into, into, into a big chunk, it took us five minutes 
to to back out that change to revert it. And I compare that to my prior life where it would have been a month test pass beforehand yeah, and yeah, yeah. still have the risk that that change would have gone out and dropped the service on the floor. So a- as you know, a lot of modern testing is stolen, more, probably more borrowed, sorry, borrowed, not stolen, borrowed from lean than agile and Kanban, a lean concept. Uh, and of course, lean and agile aren't separate things. They're overlapping complementary things, but uh, lean startup, obviously a big influence on what we ended up with. So just really quick and we can, we'll get to a point where our stories be- begin to merge with the modern testing principles. But what, uh, what led you to do think? Well, let me ask it this way. My observation is that you discovered agile, figured out how to make it work. And then in fairly short time, sort of shifted to more of lean approaches. Then how did that happen? Is that a correct observation? And how did that happen? Oh, uh, it's essentially our second scrum based sprint. We completely screwed the pooch. We would do uh, scrum iterations every two weeks. And uh, our very second sprint um, in the, with, with me as, a te- as the new team lead, we worked very hard, completely refactored uh, 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 our entire system. And everyone had a belief that they understood the interface contract between the components. In hindsight, 2020, uh, it became clear that everyone, everyone's belief was 80% correct, but the other 20% was enough to make each integration point fail. And we ended up, we ended up spending three months to undo and repair the damage we had done in a single two-week sprint. Uh, because we had done such a huge refactor, reversion was not possible or sensical. You, you missed something in there, and and as we've discussed before, it's very. That's easy. why I shifted the. That's why I shifted to lean. Yeah, it's like very the, easy in what do you call it, Scrum, to it's the default for team shifting there without any discipline is Scrum or fall. Yeah. Anyway, so just just to close because we're at time now but the that was really the eye-opening moment for me is when it comes to the the idea of modern testing um was that there were faster ways to get the feedback back to my developers that they had just written a bug than uh, than a test specialist team. Yeah. Right. And this then got tested because, as as you know, I then left Bing and on two different occasions, I was part of the leadership team helping that organization shift to unified engineering. And I found, I saw these things, uh, these same sort of phenomenon repeating. And Right. Uh, what came out of modern testing or what, what is now modern testing is sort of a culmination of the focus and the perspective uh, as well as the experience. Like I, I, when testers come to me and they're like, well, why am I blah, blah, blah? No one loves me, blah, 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 blah. And I just look at them. And I go, oh, well, it's because you don't actually understand your customer or your business. Go fix that. (laughs) So let me recap this and then we'll close. So you started off with the interesting start as a tester, grew into a lead, uh, watched Scrum done poorly, moved on to a team that was a lot closer to Agile, did that, shifted towards Lean, and that eventually grew into what became as modern testing. So, and, and well, to add to that, in the entire time, reevaluating 
when should I bring in my last decade's experience into this to improve forward progress? Yeah, and we and, and that's what we've talked about a lot on the podcast up to now. So next time, yeah. I'll tell my similar story. It'll be interesting, and then we'll I'll, we'll try and remember the time when we crossed paths. I know pretty much when it was. It was we first crossed paths in around 2007. No, 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 no. I think maybe. that's. I think that's right. no, 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 no. Maybe we'll figure no, that out next so, time. We'll figure that out next time, Brent. I think I'm right. Hold on. Oh Jesus Christ! You're not right. I think maybe Who? I was. Life with Brent. This is going to be the worst uh, ending to a podcast ever. Oh, you know what? What? You are right. <laughs> <laughs> no, never mind. It's the best ending ever. Can you repeat that last line one more time? Well, there's two things. No, no, no. That that's not what you said. You said you are right. Uh so you are right. Number one. And uh, number two, I am still right. And, and number two, my LinkedIn resume is effed up. That uh, has so nothing to do with me. <laughs> No, so that happened when I was the TM of Media Center. And that I, was I know. That was 2007 to 2009. My entire recollection of of my what years things are, I think what product, what was I doing in my career at that time. So yep. I remembered. I remember where I was, I knew what it was. So Okay, we're going to hit the other side of the modern testing origin story next time, including a little bit of, and again, because I'm right, I have a, even though I'm chronologically older, I'm more mentally acute than old, old forgetful head over there. True. Say it again. You are right. Uh, you are right. There we go. All right. I'm you still were. Alan. And I'm not. And we'll try this whole thing again in reverse next time. <laughs>